You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. The only thing you have to know about Nassim Taleb's books are the titles, Anti-Fragile, The Black Swan, Skin in the Game, and Fooled by Randomness. Like if you just think about those titles, like obviously Skin in the Game, you know, if I think what might that be about, it means that basically you'll do a better job at an activity if somehow or other you have skin in the game. And what Nassim Taleb means is like, like, let's say you're a reporter writing about investing. Well, you don't have skin in the game because you're not invested in the companies. So your reporting might not be as knowledgeable, and this is not your fault as a reporter, might not be as knowledgeable as someone who does have skin in the game, like someone who invested in the stock. So that's just one example, but there's billions of others. Anti-fragile means not the same as resilient. Resiliency refers to oh, bad things are happening, but I'm going to keep on going. It's actually bad things are happening and that's what makes me stronger. So that's what anti-fragile is about. And, but despite what I'm just saying that you just need to know the titles, it is still super fascinating to talk to the man himself, Nassim Taleb. This again was recorded a long time ago, but it's evergreen. 
it had such impact on my life just talking to him that seven years later, I would love to release it again. Here it is, Nassim Taleb. I don't even know if he's ever even been on another podcast since then. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Let's look at technology. Technology works beautifully when it destroys bad technology. In Anti-Fragile, I discussed the Lindy effect, which tells you pretty much the following. If something has been around for 20 years, odds are it has 20 more years to go. So if something's been around, a technology, an idea, that's not perishable. For a human, you don't have that effect. For a technology, you have that effect because there's no upper bound on the life of a technology. So if I see an old man and his grandson, I can say statistically that bearing some problem with the grandson, some disease, some whatever, the grandson will survive the grandfather. Whereas with technology, it's exactly the opposite. If you see very young technology and old one, all that young technology is not going to survive. And the old one simply is a concept, it's application, straight application of the measurement of fragility, the techniques to measure fragility that time either breaks what is fragile, right? Or uh, gives uh, what has some properties, some hidden properties of survival, gives it some edge, okay? So when we look now at technologies, you realize that technologies tend to stick are technologies that are destructive of other technologies because the book has not really been replaced, okay? But right. uh, but uh, some things have been replaced. So let's talk about television, all right? where people say, well, there are a lot of uh, social networks, but think about what we had before. You you sit in a nuclear family or whatever it used to be called, watching uh, someone giving you propaganda on screen, all right? Mm -hmm. That's not social life. Whereas now at least you can communicate with other people. That's social network. So in some sense, we're going back to uh, having a social life because of social media. Exactly. And and then the other thing, think of computers, all right? Computers are technology that have been replaced by what? Laptops. But laptops have been replaced by what? Tablets. Yeah. How did we start writing? Yeah, tablets. tablets. All right. So uh, look at uh, and look at uh, the, what, what food we have on the table today. Someone in 1960 would have predicted for dinner uh, tonight, you're going to have pill and some flying saucer or whatever it is. You get the mm-hmm. idea, all right? And, and, and effectively, you're going to be eating closer in the presentation, <laughs> you see, something closer to how your grandparents ate. Right. And well, you mentioned the, the glass, that we, we still use a glass, and that was invented like 3,600 years ago. Exactly. Glass was invented, I mean, it was marketed by, by uh, at, you know, at least 3,000 plus years ago. And all we've done is improve glass. So how can you, how, what about things that are truly disruptive, though, like a car versus a horse, okay. email versus mail? Yeah, the car versus a horse, but the, the car is being disrupted by the bicycle, which is older. Right. So you have the point is it's statistical. Someone when I when I talk about life expectancy, I'm talking about your life expectancy. I look at an insurance table and I have a number. Okay, that number is statistical. It's not deterministic. Okay, there'll be mistakes, and and I'm sure you're going to live your your life expectancy probably is you know as of today, um, maybe 84, 85. But I'm sure you're going to you know you're going to live 100. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, you know. That's not in the table you know, that you can live longer, but people live 100. Mm-hmm. And some people, unfortunately, uh, have uh, an early termination. So this is statistical. Same thing for technology. Statistically, new technology doesn't stick. 
and statistically, it's not going to be replaced by old technology so much as by something newer, you see. And typically, the newer will resemble old technology. And if you see the bicycle, it resembles a horse. I see. So in some sense, email is, is actually being replaced. Right? I see in my daughter's email is being replaced by texting. My daughter doesn't even look at her email anymore. Well, there we go. And it started before email. Yeah, and texting started before started email. Before email, so so you have uh, uh, so, but but you can't look at it my, you know, on a microscopic level. You got to look at it at something more global. Well, global so, and personal, because individuals want to be that we strive for anti fragility. Yeah, we saw, but but another comment I'm going to make about how the world will look like in the future is going to project the world is exactly the opposite way. Someone in 1960, you know, still with their mind full of modernity, would have imagined it. You're going to imagine a, imagine a table, how we're going to eat in, in 50 years or 20 years. We're going to be even closer to our ancestors in presentation, probably, but be more efficient. Yeah. You see, the, 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 we will, I was talking about walking. Uh, you see, our ancestors walked barefoot, uh, which is very good for your back and stuff like that. And uh, when I, you know, when, when I go to the park, I see people using five fingers. <laughs> You see, right, the, so the if you use sneakers. technology to protect yourself from the, the the elements, while at the same time replicating the natural gate. Well, this is how you can generalize that to how we uh, we actually would like to live. We live in small communities, and effectively, you know, you can build small communities. And the web, in, in a way, is not alienating us, contrary, you know, to what I myself and, and everyone I know. Uh, used to think in the beginning that that social network is no the social network would bring us back to you know uh, what we were people communicating with each other you yeah. see going down to an agora and, and just trading information we that's what we want we want, mm. we want to give information because somehow information wants to leave your uh, it doesn't want to stay in you you know it wants to leave you right that's an interesting way to look at it so you know I, I have a story to tell you in in two thousand two I was um down on my luck because I had done everything wrong. You know, I was I was very fragile. Uh, I made some money in the 90s, lost it in 2000, 2001. 2002, I wrote out about 40 emails out to people saying, hey, can I grab coffee for you? And three people responded, and I responded to two of the three. And I didn't, I so, so Jim Cramer responded, Victor Niederhofer responded, and you responded. And unfortunately, I... Made the wrong. I had the wrong. I responded. I don't remember. Because no, no, no. I, it's okay. I had no. I had at the time, and and I'm trying to implement. But it I wish again. I had responded. No, no. But I had. I had a. Um, I had a uh, uh, golden rule written in stone is that you always reply to emails. What do you do if you get if you like? Had, you must get like five thousand emails get, a day. I get maybe eight or nine a day. Oh, you I'm. Can so, verify. I'm, this is. I'm going to give you my cell phone. You can verify. <laughs> always reply, except when you set the boundaries. So now I have an auto reply. No documentary, no this, no that, no finance discussion, no this, this, this. So someone has a genuine, ah. otherwise, request. And and uh, usually when I, I take a day off to reply, and, and during that day, I, I cover most of the year, uh, back, ah. backlog in one day, no more than a day, typically when I'm in some hotel room, uh, you know, with jet lag. And, uh, and I replied to uh, a uh, very insightful professor who wrote me a letter in, three years ago. End up replying. Those are the uh, best when you can reply after three you years. You can reply no, because I put it in my. I put a star. It's a longer one, and it elicited more than a, uh, a quick uh, thanks, John, for the nice words. It, yeah, it required some kind of uh, reply. So, I, but please, I mean, I don't want to get uh, be flooded with mail, but 
That, at the time, I had a dogma, and, uh, and of course, uh, things went out of control after uh, the Black Swan. Yeah. And, and now uh, I have a filter. In other words, if, if you meet some requirements, uh, you know, I'm obligated to answer. You see, if someone is trying to sell me something or trying to invite me to a TED conference, of course, I don't have to reply. It's part of the please don't invite, you know, or journalists I don't reply to. I don't want journalists in my life, which is the reason, you know, I'm on Twitter. Yeah. Or or I want minimum amount of journalists in my, in my uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's something about about the atmosphere when you have journalism in it that sort of debases it. Well, I think I think in general there ha- it's it's what you say. There, there's not skin in the game, so journalism has to respond to a news cycle where, by almost by definition, they're trying to scare you. It's a, exactly. There's something about it that about the system, okay? Because uh, the, I mean, I, I believe in journalists, uh, the thoughtful ones, the ones who uh, you know go to Iraq, you know, to to report from there and and get kidnapped. That's a different class from people sitting in a. And their uh, garage Buzzfeed. working for whatever it is and making comments for Bloomberg on uh, the markets. Okay. Yeah. And telling you market went down a point because and, and inventing a reason and filling. And in fact, it can be very damaging because the journalist caused the, the, the Iraq war. So you're, you're, you're uh, providing noise that causes people to take risks uh, under the illusion of certainty. This is why I'm, but there are other things also with journalism. The way I have had my ideas treated by journalists told me why why I don't need the middleman. I can go straight, right. you see. So I, I've been using social media in a very satisfactory way because I go straight, you know, it, cut the middleman. You know, cut, cutting the middleman, which has been happening across every industry, is a, a form of anti-fragility now. It is definitely because, because okay, when, when you uh, wake up in the morning, all right, and you check your mail, if you're scared of getting mail from anyone, this is what I say, sign of robustness, at least. To become anti-fragile first, you have to be robust. Mm. If you're scared of getting, if you see an email and you're scared, or, or if you're scared of getting an email, it means you don't have the right life. <laughs> yeah, see? that's true. If, if you're scared of someone saying something about you on Twitter or something, it means you don't have the right profession. If you're scared, because eventually, if you're fragile, it's going to break. Right. You see? So, and people notice it. So, uh, you have to build your, put yourself in a situation where you're no longer scared of that. Now, uh, I, let me ask you about that, because my technique for dealing with that is I don't respond at all. To anybody saying something negative, no, about I don't care. My no, ideas if you really don't care, you don't respond at all. But sometimes you like to mess with a guy, right? right? Sometimes you, like you do to mess respond. With people. I, no, not always. When I like to mess with someone, okay. so I have my. Uh, I want uh, recently. I've had uh, because I'm a Christian from the Near East, so I'm waiting to find some some of these uh, what I call them Arab intellectuals, right? Which are, they are sort of like ambivalent. Yes, we should be this, should be that. And I wanted to, to dump on someone, all right? And, and if, <laughs> of course, I found a couple of, a couple of people, and that was fun, okay? But uh, I, I don't re- no, I don't really, once in a while, okay, for example, if someone uh, bothers me, I, I have a forum to go and state and, and, uh, and, and keep going at it. And, and if uh, he doesn't like it, uh, if he doesn't like to be bullied, he shouldn't bully, right? So, but it happens to me, I do it as a form of entertainment more than necessity. You, right. you see, that yes. it's different. If you do Sport. it out of necessity, if you do it out of necessity, you're dead. If you do anything out of necessity, you're perhaps. dead. Exactly. Anything, out of, if you have to respond to something, you're dead. You see? If you do it just because there's a certain class of people uh, political scientists; these people bother me, or intellectually, and 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 I like to have some form of entertainment because I'm human. Okay, uh-huh. Uh-huh. so that's a hobby, 
And I usually I reserve these episodes to when I'm in a restaurant waiting for someone. Ah. You see, and you get in a bad mood if someone's late and you're hungry. You see the idea. So it's a perfect time to be aggressive with, uh, with people. But I've had recently, um, you know, I had this paper that, that you have in your hand on precautionary principle. Mostly is that uh, people talk about uh, GMOs, say, oh, they ha- we have no evidence that they're harming. Yeah, but you don't have evidence they're not harming, that kind of stuff. So some lobbyists from some groups, okay, have gone on the web and tried to mess with me. They didn't realize that I enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoy uh, <laughs> humiliating um, uh, uh, fraudsters or what I call charlatan. I enjoy it. So it's just, uh, you know, it's not a good use of my time. I know, but I'm human, you know. So if All right, that's fair. Have, you don't have an hour a week to play with uh, with people you don't like. Uh, what do you do with that time, mm-hmm. right? So, so let's, for the listeners, take a step back and talk about what is fragility versus okay. anti-fragility. Uh, this, this whole episode of anti-fragility ha- can only be explained, and, and, and this whole episode that I went through, my own, how did I get to the idea, uh, can only be explained by, uh, by the quest to figure out risk. Okay. And, and risk, again, at a personal level and a global level, global, everything, economic everything, level? Everything, everything. Risk it, it, doesn't have actually a definition. That right. This is a strange thing. And risk requires you, you know, to look at events and assign probability to, to them and see if they're going to occur. What's the risk of an earthquake, right? Um, and, and if you look, and I, I, I dug down, I spent 20 years trying to define risk. I couldn't. Nobody has, all right? The only definition of risk we have is what risk averse people don't like, all right? Uh, and probabilities are very hard to uh, compute, particularly small probabilities. Like risk of ruin is is very hard to compute. You know well, particularly higher. you don't even know what what curve or what law to apply to the exactly, risk, exactly, the exactly, exactly. I mean, you have a risk, in some domains, what I call them thin tail domains, where the Gaussian curve works, and some other distribution. We can figure out the risk. Like for example, I know that the risk of falling from ladders, right? People killed falling from ladders, is uh, not going to double. All right, next year. You see, so we know that the, the that rate is well captured by common statistics. What about actuarial? Yeah, so the actuarial risk worked for these, but you cannot use that for for uh, for terrorism. Right? How many? You can't use it for war. You can't use. Can't so use it for the stock market. You can't use it for stock market. You can. And, and this it. is a problem. Many traders. Uh, this is why I mentioned the Victor Niederhopper. Uh, tends to t- apply a normal curve to or whatever curve. Risk. It's not. It doesn't. If it's not. It's not the fact that it's normal or not normal. It's whether it's computable. The normal curve or that class of things assigns such a small probability to rare events that make tend to make things computable. Right. See? Because uh, uh, average events are sort of predictable. Right. But they. But, but who cares? Because they have no impact. So anyway. So I, I realized that we didn't know much about risk. I, can, I don't know whether the probability of an earthquake tomorrow, you know, here, uh, what is the odds of the stock market tripling or, or these I can't. But on the other hand, what I can understand very well is how events affect me. So this is what I, and, and, and I went to the literature and, and figured out something that, that very often people conflate, I call it the conflation of events and exposure, conflates how events, right, the probability of events and how, the risk of events occurring and the risk to them from these events. Let's take an example. Uh, if you have the stock market can crash tomorrow, that's a big risk. But if your own out-of-money puts on the stock market, okay, and and you're pretty comfortable with uh, the seller, you know, the seller of those puts would be in business, then you don't care about the stock market crashes, you see. Or if you express your view to start, you know, in the stock market just with calls. So who understood that very well? 
chapter one of my technical uh, document called Silent Risk, chapter one, the lawyers. They still understand it very well. The lawyer doesn't make a statistical, uh, gives you statistical predictions of events. He hedges you against them by, by showing, by, by reducing your liability and constructing your liability. So I, it hit me that I, when I was an option trader, and I was an option trader for 21 years, hmm. largely in exotic and complex derivatives, and all I worked on is try to understand the payoff. And, and all I did wasn't try to understand the world, as people think traders try to do, is try to figure out all right, a way to reduce liability from certain class of events. And you would ignore that outlier? Contractually, yeah, outlier. because contractually you can eliminate that. All right? mm-hmm. Contractually, by defining your contract, you know, that the contract doesn't cover this, you know, cancels if that so happens or something like that. So I realized, you know, okay, so the first thing is that we don't understand risk, but we understand exposure. And, and we had 2,000 years, more than 2,000 years, probability was born with lawyers. But right? don't you think we also ignore exposure? Sorry? Don't you think we ignore exposure in general? Like, because we assume that the, the worst is not going to happen. No, to no. Us. People, people, yeah, but we ignore exposure or sometimes we overestimate exposure, but at least we understand exposure and you can mm-hmm. construct exposure. But mm-hmm. so, I, so I figured out uh, um, th- th- that divorce. And then one day it hit me looking at a coffee cup, all right? that I could define fragility. While looking at a coffee While cup. While looking at a coffee cup. As I said, was it one of the Greek coffee exactly, cups? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was a coffee cup on a table, and, and I, I was looking at it, I looked at it, I said, oh, boy. I can, and, and anti-fragile started that day. Hmm. All right? I started writing it. I started doing the math behind it. I said, for 20-some years, I've been an option trader, and we have a definition of things that don't like volatility, you see? Things you know, think of a coffee cup. If there's any random event in a room, not one of them will help it. It'll be or it'll be either neutral or negative. So we have an asymmetry. Right. Things suffer from they have more downside than upside. I looked at it. I said, this coffee cup is short. In my uh, option language, we call it short gamma or short volatility. Mm. I looked at it. I said, oh, we have a definition of fragility. Mm. Can I generalize to everything? Okay, fragile being negatively affected by volatility? Ah, yes, I can. Aha. Uh-huh. If I can do that, then I can do something because I spent my time as an option trader and also I did my PhD. So I did everything on some specific, you know, uh, 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 properties, all right, of option complex option packages. So I said, okay, everything that doesn't like volatility is fragile and everything fragile likes volatility. So, and everything flew from there. So you can construct the you can you can construct a a, a sort of a, a prism, all right, to view the world in three categories. The the fragile, like like short option, if there's volatility, it is it, exposed to it. It can blow up. It can suffer. Whatever the various degrees. So let's give some examples yeah. of fragile. So like you give one example, which I thought was great. Uh, an an old woman who likes everything to be 70 degrees, well, okay, an average of 70 degrees yeah. is bad because if it's 140 degrees, she's dead, and if it's zero degrees, exactly, she's dead. Exactly, exactly. To explain this, we need one point to explain it, which is uh, uh, to explain the link between a coffee cup and the old lady, uh, or, or, sorry, an elderly person, um, <laughs> who doesn't like thermal variability, which is as follows, is that the whatever you can show mathematically and, and and this, I think, is important, okay, because it generalizes to so many things. And now I'm working with physicists and um, on, 
on, on the thing about uh, GMOs and global warming on risk. What is important is that what doesn't like volatility doesn't like variation, doesn't like stressors, doesn't like time. Aha, you remember we started the conversation talking about time. Hmm. What doesn't like volatility doesn't like time. Why? Time is volatility. It's more events happening. Right. You see? And uh, doesn't like entropy, doesn't like uh, stressors. And you can you can very easily establish, make a table of what other things that what doesn't like volatility doesn't like and put them all in the same group, the fragile. So the fragile doesn't group. like time. Sorry? It's a huge group. It's, it's a much a bigger group, group yes. than the anti-fragile. But, but whatever doesn't like one will, won't like the others. This is what the interesting thing. What doesn't like, what doesn't like time doesn't like unpredictability and doesn't like stressors and doesn't like randomness and doesn't like uncertainty and doesn't like an increase of scale of distribution and doesn't like all these things. I so, feel like you're describing all my uh, emotional relationships with people. <laughs> okay, no, but up to a point, of course. Some are open-ended. Some. So this is what doesn't like time. So this is the, 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 the fragile, all right? A coffee cup is fragile, okay? But with respect, you're always fragile. With respect to one, all right, what I call source of variation or source of randomness or source, source of stress. Like for example, the uh, elderly person is probably extremely fragile with respect to the changes in temperature, but she may not be fragile with respect to, uh, you know, I don't know, emotional uh, stuff. Right, because she has experience. Oh, whatever it is. You can, you people can, have some, died. It's, some people are very domain-dependent and what right. they're fragile about. Uh, you, someone could be a weightlifter and, and he's dumped by his girlfriend and go jump uh, from a cliff, okay? Mm-hmm. So you, you, you can't really uh, uh, transfer from one domain to the other. So now we have an idea. Humans can do that, and it's an, interestingly. So humans have an ability to adapt to multiple uh, let's say social hierarchies. So I can be in one domain, like handle things emotionally, but uh, not be able to handle uh, c- extreme changes in temperature. Whereas uh, other mammals or other animals almost can't adapt to anything. Humans are more adaptable. Yeah, we are. But, yeah, but that's that's uh, the thing that's very important to understand that humans are the reason we're successful is because we are again, uh, not adaptable, but we have a broader, uh, we depend from, uh, we we have, we have, uh, we can make it through different environments, thermally, right? Uh, And and, and also, it's very important, we are omnivorous. We can eat everything. Right. right? And omnivores, omnivorous, we're omnivores, and omnivores are rare. It means we can eat like a lion and eat like a cow. You see, and 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 do fine in both cases, and uh, and and the problem is people don't understand that we we are not omnivores by choice. Hence, we need variability in the food supply, and we need uh, some deprivation of some food groups once in a while because that's how we became omnivores. Ah, that's but the stressor to the, the system. Stressor make us to the, exactly, particularly uh, uh, protein. And and I uh, said that uh, if we part lion, part cow, the cow has no randomness in the way it eats, but the lion has more randomness. So you have to have protein uh, less steadily than uh, than uh, other food groups. So I see. So in the th- in the areas where you're anti fragile, you want to encourage variability. Exactly. So 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 let, let's put some stru- the, the structure. We said the fragile doesn't like variation and variability. All right, and we're always fragile with respect to something. The robust doesn't really care. You see, and of course the anti fragile on the right wants needs variability, and as a matter of fact, it dies if it doesn't have the variability. So if you just eat protein, 
if you uh, if you just eat protein, you probably would have uh, no kidneys in no time. All right, mm. the you need uh, we're not made we're made for variability among mm. food groups. Mm. If you just eat, eat carbs, you also have problems. But the the thing is what people didn't understand when, when they uh, started following the paleo diet is that to follow our ancestors' uh, methods, uh, to follow our ancestors what they did, you you need to match not the food composition so much as the food frequency. Hmm. And uh, I just posted the other day, I was, I was, again, I was in some airport and I did the fractal thing about the... Uh, how often we should fast to be consistent with with some uh, with the environment. You should you should also have the stressor of fasting. Interesting, because so, you, so, you mentioned briefly in anti fragile. Uh, uh, there's no proof that breakfast really gives you energy for exactly. the day. Exactly, this is the, the most important thing is to follow the following guidelines. All right, uh, science is great; it should give us proofs. But if there's a habit that is not part of our tradition and has not been tested for its benefits, then you should be suspicious. And breakfast is one of them. Does a lion eat uh, to hunt or do you hunt to eat? Hmm. All right. So that's so you don't need energy visibly. And if you supply yourself too much energy, then you you dull your system. And, and you, we are a metabolic system. Now, now, strangely, this idea that I wrote about an anti-fragile, I thought nobody would get it. People have independently, okay, of course, have been doing uh, research on uh, fasting. On if you're keto adapted that fasting is important and 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 uh, the the someone there have been some few bestsellers on that 72 diet after antifragile repeating the exact same ideas but to do it right you don't you know follow a regimen of fasting one day a week or you see once every two weeks so you you need to randomize in other words you should fast if you fast one day every week you should also fast uh, three days every uh, month and a half and a whole week every two years. You see I, I love this uh, idea. But, no, but if you're ma- you're made for a statistical environment that has variability, like uh, ter- thermal variability or uh, food group variability or frequency of feeding variability, and you don't have that in your life, you are not human. You're becoming something else. Unfortunately, we have too much control of our environment. So... We are made just for an environment that has, uh, uh, you know, variability, but risk came with variability because it's the same thing. Just like, you know, we had preferences for sugar because it came with nutrition, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it also comes with heart problems, but, you know, but we need nutrition. But the environment didn't give us the granularity to differentiate between small quantities and large quantities, you see, because we didn't have that chance. The same thing with variability. We could not control our environment. So we dislike variability and, and, and randomness. And, and now we live in an environment where we can control that small randomness and it's killing us, you see. So you can kill someone literally by feeding them too steadily. And effectively, that's how diabetes comes from. And how was the evidence? I read the papers. Cited many of them in antifragile, but many came out later. That effectively, uh, all these fasting stuff that uh, have been experimented up to four days, by Walter Longo, by uh, Matson, by all these people, uh, realize that that they, they, there are some uh, benefits, but there's also, especially, a, a absence of other diseases that come with it. You mm-hmm. see, so so for example, epileptic seizures for children. We know that uh, you know drugs are are good, but the first, the most effective thing to start with is avoidance of uh, sugar, right? Mm-hmm. Avoidance of carbs. Okay. 
And uh, another thing is diabetes. Diabetes is the first thing should be to start someone for a while to teach, you know, to the stressor and, and, and see if, and you can figure out how often they have diabetes, okay, by the frequency of famine and our, uh, you can back, back from the disease, you can get the statistical properties of famine and our habitat from that. Mm. And this is mathematically very easy to do. Nobody has done it, but I, I mean, I have a sketch of how it's be done. For example, if you starve yourself for a day once in a while, uh, you have some benefits uh, with asthma. So you know asthma comes from this, okay? It doesn't come from this, but you can make a statistical link, and then you can say, okay, diabetes has this link. So you're uh, not saying what asthma Parkinson. comes from. You're saying how asthma could be avoided. You're uh, doing I'm the saying that negativa. there's a mismatch between us and the environment, okay. you see? And, and it looks like uh, because we have a spate of diseases that we had to have at least one starvation day every uh, fortnight, you see? Right. You have to have a week every year or something. You can back off from the environment how, what the shape of that statistical curve should be, you see, with, with, uh, with some comfortable precision. Hmm. So anyway, so to go back to the structure that we have, we have the fragile, the, the robust, and the anti-fragile. Right. The, what makes the anti-fragile very uh, powerful is that you can measure if something is anti-fragile from local sensitivity. And mm -hmm. that is what is interesting for us. Like, For example, why am I making statements that uh, fasting is good for you, like the stress of deprivation? You have to have some acceleration of gain locally, just like you have to have some acceleration of harm locally for something to be fragile. And let me explain it, right? Oh, I can if, see with fasting you could have both. But let me go back to the definition of fragile to okay. see how we can go from there from one to the other because it's always easier to explain the fragile than the anti-fragile, mostly because our brains are risk-averse, hmm. you see. So let me explain the fragile uh, first. The, the first thing you know when you're short volatility in the markets is that a 10% drop in the market harms you a lot more okay, than, two time, than twice a 5% drop, hmm. you see. Okay, likewise... If you jump 10 meters, you're harmed a lot more than if you jump than twice if you jump five meters. Mm -hmm. Actually, 10 meters, you may, you, you'll go, all right? So, and five meters, again, in, in turn, is a lot worse once five meters than two times the risk of mm -hmm. two and a half meters and so on. And things have to be that way because if the curve were linear, you see, then you would, you would die just walking. So you have to have, you know, if I smash my car against a wall at 50 kilometers per hour, I'm harmed a lot more than 50 times if I smash it at one kilometer per hour, you see? So, and, and this is a property of everything that has survived. Why? Because things that are linear to harm are already gone. Hmm. So the fragile, has, you can detect acceleration. If you have acceleration of harm, you see, if you start having acceleration of harm lo locally, then you can detect fragility. So, so fragility is almost related to uh, almost a survival of the fittest because... We, cre we created the we we control the environment of our no no let me no 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 let me no no let me uh, I'm talking about something technical here but I'll, okay. get, I'll get to that in other words the way fragility has to show acceleration of harm you see mm -hmm. it has to come with it you have to have acceleration of harm some kind of I call it the concavity argument likewise anti fragility has to show some acceleration of benefits somewhere you see and if you detect that then you have a, a local uh, local anti-fragility. And maybe I'll give you a MOOC, many MOOC I gave the students, five minutes where I explained that with curves. 
Why, so, if you have, and let me explain why acceleration of benefits. Hmm. Uh, what would is it better for you to have, for example, the the if you're convex to have um, when, when say you have lung ventilator, all right? If you if it's better for you to have 100 percent of the dose all the time, or 50 percent one time, 150 percent the other time. Yeah, it would be be probably much worse. No, much better. Oh yeah, uh, exactly. So, and then I mentioned in antifragile that lung ventilators. People made the mistake of thinking you need steadiness. If you have that convexity effect, which means that fifty percent one day, one hundred fifty uh, one minute, one hundred fifty percent the other minute, is a lot better than one hundred percent of the dose all the time. Hmm. Then you're antifragile, and that shows an acceleration on a graph. You see. So it's the same thing with with a with a with a coffee cup. You want to hit it with intensity of two per say intensity of two. You can hit it a hundred times the intensity of two, it won't break. But if you have the time intensity of one, half the time intensity of three, it would break. You see. Right. So if the linear combination of two different numbers is is worse, you're fragile. And if the linear combination is better, you're anti-fragile. Let's apply it to feeding, right? Is or or to the temperature? Is it better to spend uh, the whole day at seventy degrees for your health, or uh, spend uh, uh, some time at fifty degrees and some time at ninety degrees? Well, obviously, it's better for your health to spend to have that variation. So, a linear combination of fifty degrees and ninety degrees is better for your health than just seventy degrees. It means you're anti-fragile. It's and you can keep varying the wind, the, the, that that uh, that interval to see how to up to what point. Because visibly, we're fragile if you instead of having ten degrees variation or twenty degrees variation, you go to hundred degree variation. Yeah, you would die in both cases. So you're fragile b- when it starts harming you. The interval and winding and narrowing the interval for the same keeping the same average. Seems like, it seems yeah. like a anti fragility in that case, like almost like a donut. So exactly, it fragility is fragility in the middle and fragility on the outside. Uh, so the variability is too some much. Things, and fragile some things, again. Some things are, yeah. Some things like randomness, yeah. And let me now. You're talking about evolution. Let me talk about evolution. It, uh, evolution without randomness, you don't have evolution because you don't have, uh, you know, uh, the fitness. Uh, say uh, there, there are a lot of mechanisms of evolution. Uh, one of them is noise in your DNA. Okay, if you have no noise, okay, and the DNA is transmitted without replicating error, because every time someone has a child, there's a replicating mistake, or not every time, but statistically, there are mistakes in replicating the DNA. So, if you try uh, giving a DNA deterministically without mistakes, you don't have evolution. But if you have mistakes, you know, you're going to have 10 offspring, some of them will benefit from the mistake, all right, then you have evolution, all right, those benefits get an advantage and keep going. So, replication error is good, so something that likes an error, all right, has mm. Some advantages. The problem is that if your error rate is too high, you will never conserve the benefit. Hmm. So you have to have some error rate, not too high and not too low. Hmm. And this is, yeah, this is, you know, why what I, what I say that anti-fragility is local. Hmm. It's good, for example, to have uh, one per thousand error rate, for example, because it's good. But if you have 10% error rate, then, then your offspring will never, will not retain that advantage to transmit it to their own. So, anti-fragile is local, except in finance, where it's sort of, you know, finance is always weird, where you can have things that benefit from volatility with no ceiling, contractually, or some things may have a high ceiling. Let me 
again, use the concept of, of anti-fragile and convexity, and I'll show you where we're okay. Lift weight. What's better to build muscle? To lift a thousand times one, 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 uh, one, one kilo or, or one pound or, uh, or one time a hundred pound? Uh, well, I wouldn't be able to lift a thousand times one pound, so yeah, I'd have to, to go with a hundred. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be able to, to lift a thousand kilos. No, no, no. What I meant is a hundred times one pound or, or one time a hundred pounds. Oh, uh, one, uh, I would say one time a hundred pounds. Uh, okay, so there you go. So there you get the convexity. Is that every pound gives gives you more benefits? You see, for given the same amount total amount that you're going to lift to a certain to a, a up certain towards point point, but, but visibly you're not going to have health benefits lifting a thousand pounds because then you would break your your yeah uh, repetitive stress whatever. disorder. No, no, no. A thousand pounds will will break your oh, bones. Right, right, right. Whatever it is, if you, you, you the the someone but if you lift a hundred times one pound, you just get repetitive stress disorder. You won't exactly, get uh, exactly. You won't build so, any muscle. Exactly. So, so the whole idea of anti-fragile is understanding what I call the convexity effect. The convexity effect, if a linear combination of two things, all right, is better, you know, than one thing of the same average. But what I like about that is you don't have to explain why something works because then you go into the realm of, uh, you know, mythology. You you just have to understand this. Measuring this aspect exactly, of I, I mean, I'm I'm very skeptical of uh, people who try to understand the mechanism and 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 well, like why does a hundred pound weight build muscle? We uh, don't exactly, really know exactly. So and I, and I said it here in the book. I said that um, you know um, when I started weightlifting, uh, I was told, hey, uh, uh, there are micro tears that fill up, you know, and then you eat your protein and, and okay, or you have a protein shake and a micro tear that fill up with uh, muscle and everybody's happy because of the tear. Okay, that's a very nice story. But then I came back and asked, yeah, but how come the lion has so much muscle without working out, all right? Well, they say, well, it's hormonal, all right? They say, ah, hormonal. And then discovered that people who take steroids grow in muscles, all right? So you realize that muscle growth is something informational that doesn't seem to have much to do with the way people used to interpret it. But so you, the theory behind muscle muscle growth will change maybe every generation or maybe, you know, and we'll never converge because science doesn't work, you know, doesn't have definitive answers. We'll never fully converge. But the fact that if I live 100 pounds, I will gain muscle will never change. Right. So, so when you can observe. Phenomenology is robust. Okay. Theories, the explanation are not. And people yet have more respect for theory than phenomenology. Phenomenology is cataloging things that have monstrous regularity without really understanding the reason. And you don't, I don't have to explain that to you what the mechanism by which if I hit someone on the head, okay, he's going to, uh, you know, not do well, right? You don't have to explain the blood vessel. I, I don't, you know, the fact is it won't change the story at all. So we have, so in my book, the robust, our methodology is very robust, right? Uh, phenomenology is very robust, okay? Uh, uh, it does catalog things that we know that if you overeat, you're going to gain weight. Now, what's a pathway that will store the... Who cares, right? If we focus on these things that we know, we do a lot better, you see? I'm not against science. I'm against interpreting scientific theories as truths rather than focusing on robust phenomenologies. You see, and and statistical regularities are part of that phenomenology. You see, the way we handle randomness is part of that phenomenology, and there are some things that are necessary. 
mathematically necessary, absolutely necessary mathematically. Like, for example, that if you uh, uh, are convex, in other words, if 80% of it, then necessarily you like variability. Then necessarily you are anti-fragile. That, that thing. Then necessarily you benefit from random supply of that that thing if you if you if you like if you do better and and you take those books on starvation now there are many many of them showing how uh, cancer cells do okay but if you look at it you say people effectively do better after x days of starvation and then they can eat all they want so visibly instead of eating uh, 2000 calories uh, for eight days they eat zero and then they can eat the rest. They do a lot better, okay? Mm. But you don't have to go into the mechanism to understand that that's a regularity, mm. you see. And from that, you can make mathematical statements without having to understand the process at all because it's necessary. I have to say... Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and, and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com 
slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Let me ask you a question. Because we've removed so far, let's say from, because we have this controlled environment that we can control, do you have to now measure statistically to get us back to... Exactly. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's go back to, to life, all right? We were had no control over uh, transportation, so we walked a lot, right? And now we got better. We have, we can make life comfortable with a car, Okay. Now, uh, what do you do? You drive your car to the gym to compensate for it, you see, and walk on a treadmill, you see. Normally, that's completely absurd, but we do that, no? Mm-hmm. That's a compensating fact to, to, to fix it. But, but this is not something new. The Greek Orthodox religion uh, forces us to have 200 vegan days. I didn't know that. Yeah, because in, in opulent societies, you know, you, you overeat on lab, you know, you, you're going to be harmed. So we have two, including 40 days of Lent, we're entirely vegan. You go through 40 days of purely vegan, uh, you know, uh, stuff. We have Ramadan in, in Islam. If it's done properly, you should, you know, and, and Judaism has um, six days of fasting, plus recommended, a lot of rabbis mm-hmm. fast X number of days, uh, just to have a clear mind. So if you look at, uh, so these are compensators. There's no different from going to the gym to compensate from the fact that we have too much control of our environment. And it's the same thing with uh, with uh, lack of cold. I was in um, in. I mean, you have saunas, all right, where 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 you you induce variation, okay, and you have reverse saunas. I was in Qatar, a place I, I hope you know uh, not go back because uh, I don't like their their their, their politics and uh, they may make me force me to stay there anyway. So I I was in Qatar, and I noticed that they had a reverse sauna, which is a room where temperature is kept at something like minus uh, 20 degrees centigrade where you go for a minute, a maximum minute, do a reverse sauna, all right? Mm-hmm. Now, all these things come from the fact that we have too much control of our environment and thermal stability and mechanical stability and these things are, the, you know, effectively weakening us. Mm-hmm. But so, then you have to measure whether that's... Now we have, we're need, in a position where we, we have can, to measure if that's good or not. Well, we, 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 can, we can guess pretty much. I mean, we can guess that if you don't walk too much, you're going to gain weight, you're going to do this, you're going to have this. Uh, you can guess that if you don't, you know, 
go lift weight in the gym, that's your bone density will do, will, will do so. So you can pretty much calibrate your life to have enough. Uh, and, and most people do. who live healthy lives, you know, live in cities where they walk a lot. Or now it's impossible. You know, at some point it was easy to drive in New York City. Now it's impossible. <laughs> Somehow our environment also is forcing us to go back to more ancestral uh, methods. Right, and, and you, and you yeah. mentioned there's an anti-fragility there because people might complain, oh, I'm stuck in traffic, but, uh, oh, I'm in a city where, uh, or, or there is some anti-fragility there where I'm in a city where everybody wants to go. So the fact yeah, that yeah, I'm was, in it, harm... Uh, means I'm in a popular place where there might be money and opportunity exactly, and so on. Exactly. It's not, it's not, I mean, don't complain about traffic. It means other people want to be there as well. Yeah. Right? It's just that there's something very interesting, by the way, about traffic. Is uh, Traffic is highly uh, nonlinear, and, and, you, and, and people made mistakes of not predicting traffic based on local response of delays, like, like uh, the, the, the city of New York it wasn't good at understanding nonlinearity with traffic. Is that if you shut off a bridge, for example, the 59th Street Bridge for a film on Saturday, uh, don't predict that it's going to slow down traffic by 10 minutes. You know, it took me four and a half hours. Hmm. I was stuck in a car, right? Hmm. So, uh, I mean, of course, it's my mistake to be to, to drive to New York City, but that was that was for dinner. You see the idea, incidentally, talking about traffic. Now, it's very important to realize that risk is not variability. But our instinct mixes the two of them. Mm. Like in finance, people think that risk is something that moves. No, risk is something that makes you go bust, right? Because things that move aren't necessarily risky. But that's what people are afraid of. That's very interesting because variability you can measure. Whether something moves or not, you can exactly, see. Exactly. But risk for me is different than risk for you. That risk for each person is different. Risk, I mean, depending on the definition of risk. And, risk and of loss. Fragility, yeah, fragility, we define fragility as much easier to measure, all right? You can say, okay, at what point will this break? Uh, there is some mapping of risk to fragility in, in, in some cases called ruin, total ruin, right? What's the probability of total ruin? Okay. And, but, but typically, uh, risk is not what we think is risk because most people who try to control variability of portfolio blow up. Uh, I, I said that uh, that forests, if you try to control uh, the fires in forests, you end up letting the bad material accumulate, and then the forest, you know, you know what happened to these forests when there's a fire. The same thing with uh, emerging market uh, governments. I remember controlling their currency. Like I saw Mexico in 1994 moving like 30-some percent of the currency, right? Uh, I'm still talk like a trader, like instead of saying the Mexican peso, we call it Mexico, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I still remember, uh, and and what happened is that if you control volatility, bring it to zero, the minute you have a small move, it's out of control. You see, uh, I've seen, we've seen, we've all seen Argentina uh, fro- uh, freezing the the currency for a long time, and then the minute you let it float, or right. you're forced to let it float, or it floats by itself, you know what happens. So. Controlling variability has never been a good idea in, in any domain. You have to have some element of variation for things that are alive. So, so what, other than, like, let's say, the financial markets, what are some clear areas where you see people trying to control variability? Well, I mean, I, I, I wrote on the Black Swan that Syria was going to blow up hmm. because they had no political variability. You, know, you need maximum political variability because things blow up otherwise. Flammable material, as, as, as I said. And, and if you generalize it, you realize that 
you want a municipal system where you have maximum variability because you have more, it's more of a continuum rather than have a president at the top. So like a Switzerland type of... Uh, like a Switzerland top municipal system with a lot of uh, distributed decision-making, you know, with small mistakes made here and there. So, but Syria, the next one is Saudi Arabia, right? Will, will be the next route to drop. They have had zero political variability. So the minute there's something, nobody knows how deep it can get or, or if it can control it. Uh, in a political domain, in a lot of domains, uh, absence of variability is, is bad. Actually, uh, something um, I, I discovered recently, if your heart has too steady a beat, the heartbeat is very steady, guess what? It's predictive, predictive of mortality. Hmm. That's interesting. It's very predictive. So, This is uh, what I get worried about. I, I actually wrote you uh, this in an email recently. I myself have never been to a hospital, don't, have not gotten sick. I'm worried if I ever do get sick, my body will just blow up. No, it could be, uh, uh, I mean, it could be with age that you're getting sick. In fact, I'm getting, getting over it. Maybe, it could, it could be. be. I, I don't know. About, I didn't look at, I mean, infectious diseases aren't so much my domain. I'm just worried so that my much. mind won't be able to handle it once I get sick because I'll, I'll be so, so fragile about the concept of getting sick. Really? Uh, maybe induce your, go to some country or you can contract Get malaria or something. Uh, not malaria, uh, something less chronic. Where, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's interesting. No. But, but, but you mentioned yeah. that in the book, an anti-fragile, that you do have an anti-fragile personal program for yourself. Like you like to, for instance, walk on uneven surfaces. Uneven surfaces. Uh, I like to walk on rocks, not walk on roads. And there's evidence, actually, walk. that 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 walking on rocks, for instance, increases lifespan. They've done I didn't, I didn't, I, and look, I mean, I broke a nose uh, initially, but uh, since then I've been doing rather well. And it, it's, you know, I feel alive after I walk. And, and I, I think that uh, we didn't understand sleep for a long time. People trying to reduce sleep and then, you know, having problems elsewhere. I think we also don't understand walking. I say, if statistically we're made, we've been walking so much in our history, okay, I need a very convincing reason all right, to stop doing so. And there's none. <laughs> okay. So I try to walk pretty much what I try to do uh, as, as main activity. Okay. My activity is some 20, some hours a week. Hmm. minimum but i've noticed one thing is to have a comfortable life i wake up in the morning i don't want to have any obligation except walking and if i walk on something like sleeping on something you know you you walk and i try not to think of that thing at all say i have to write uh, an article and uh, at the minute i'm stuck i don't try to make an effort i just walk hmm. and I come back all right sometimes I come back and comes it pours out on its own. So in other words, not, never make an effort locally to try to solve a math problem or do something. Just, I so don't stare at a blank uh, at a blank screen or a blank page. No, no, nothing. No, make no effort. There's no life is too short. Okay, mm -hmm. just I'd go take a walk. I think of something else, and I think I'm sure some mechanism works better when I walk because uh, I'm I'm you know my main activity since I have uh, been you know full time into scholarship and stuff like that. I've been reading and walking. And uh, the more I walk, the more, uh, I mean, I, I don't spend a lot of time writing. It, it just comes out, all right? If I don't walk, I have this blank screen business, and then you get in trouble. Uh, so, no, walking is, 
no, no, is is necessary. So, so, so walking uh, increases the the, st- the the stress. Takes I, you I don't, back I don't to... know the mechanism. I mm. absolutely don't know. Right. I'm no, no statement, no explanation mechanism. But I look at statistically how much you know uh, we've been doing it, and 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 and, and I apply it, and it seems to work. So, in other words, I don't have to have uh, to come up with a, with an explanation to follow Mother Nature, particularly if I have a hugely positive payoff from it. Right. But but then, if I'm going against walking, then I want to see the evidence. Right? You see the idea? If, right. if I'm going against the natural. And I don't walk on a treadmill or kind of, kind of nonsense. I just walk outside. So what what else is part of your anti-fragile program, your personal uh, one? My personal one is uh, when I uh, go to a uh, country and drink, drink local water, one for ethical reasons, got to drink some water, but non-purified a little bit. Mm-hmm. So just that's the anti-fragile thing. Uh, it reduces surprises, all right? So we have had so much control of our, our hygiene that people are forced now to take pills with bacteria. Isn't it absurd? So exactly like driving to the to the treadmill. Well, so it's always my theory that the peanut allergies this generation, which we never had before, is caused by too much. It could uh, be because, because, yeah, because people don't understand, the, plus overusing antibiotics. Okay, so what I do is I follow the principles that risk is what to worry about, not comfort. So take no medicine, except if I have something very, very severe, in which case I don't see one doctor, I see four of them. And I follow... Fourth opinion. Not four opinion. And some, if someone gives you one, one, you know, and I double the dose even if necessary. You see the idea. So, so medicine is very nonlinear to to condition. And 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 let me let me give you the rationale. If you have slightly uh, above normal uh, hypertension, all right, like slightly, uh, if if you're above the normal tensive, and you take medicine, the number needed to treat to treat is something like one in a hundred, between one, at best one and sixty. In other words, the number of people who benefit from the medication is very small. Is that always? Is that usually true? If it's slightly one standard deviation away from uh, from t- uh, normal, huh. right? So that is, that's fascinating. But if you're if you're four standard deviations away from normal, that or three standard deviation away from normal, something in that area, okay, and you can use standard deviation because uh, Gaussian is sort of Gaussian, then the numbers needed to treat are monstrously lower. Something like seventy-five percent benefit from from, so, from the drug. So, if you were told so, you had cancer, you wouldn't take any chemotherapy drugs. I would. Or? I would go for the for. I mean, I would be. I'd not try. But if someone tells me I have a headache, take this medicine. I wouldn't take it. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's some feedback. If I start taking medicine from headache, then I'm not limiting the cause. Cause just a symptom. But no. But to go to go back. So it tells you. But the harm from medicine is the same. Whether you're high, right. hypo, you see that is the same. So the ratio of gain, all right, is not there for mild condition. But the problem is pharma has a difficulty finding people who are very sick. Hmm. So because of 5,000 more people who are very, uh, uh, sorry, slightly uh, hypertensive than very hypertensive, hmm. you see? And that's... This is why we tend to overtreat people, and and so and, and and you have to let the variation and the stressors take care of themselves. They make you better, and make sure the extreme is taken care of. Okay, so this is a great this is a great field. So so medicine. What's another area personally? What about what about like in relationships? Uh, in relation, I don't know. I don't have. I have a very boring, you know. <laughs> I mean, I have a very boring. Seems like job. marriage is a fragile thing. I don't know. I I. I see. I've seen people, all right, who have, 
who don't know how to manage, uh, you know, the social life, okay, relationship, and overall with their friends, partners, and stuff like that. And I try to avoid these people, okay, completely, and put them. You know, I cut losses very quickly as a trader. So, like, I, if you see someone, uh, a business person who had a problem with a partner, I, I cross the street. I don't get, I mean, I may have coffee with them, but uh, I will never do business. So this is something you learn is uh, some people are troublemakers and to stay out of, you know, that. But in in in, in social relationships, uh, can disruptive people be helpful? In other words, can have anti-fragility by having disruptive people in social? I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I try to avoid uh, disruptive people, and also, but I myself try to be uh, disruptive if I don't like something. Although you, like it sounds economic. like you selectively expose yourself to stressors, like on Twitter or something. Uh, uh, no, but Twitter is not a stressor. And Twitter is I aim to just I'm making, I'm enjoying the media right. medium, and uh, and it's calculated. It's much more calculated by picking on targets that uh, I don't like, like a couple of economists and publicly. So. Right. Uh, but on uh, in, in private life, I haven't had many. Uh, I don't know if in private life I've had many fights, except uh, so you see some person drunk at a party, and 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 I, uh, you know, control the person and and, and and get him out. Or but but you don't expose yourself to variability there. You stay around positive I people. I haven't. Uh, no, I, I don't. Uh, I haven't had street fights in a long time. Right. <laughs> Haven't had uh, no no street fights, no no actually shouting match, nothing. But you know, it's funny. Um, thinking of fighting, like gaming in general, like chess, it's good to to study multiple openings so you understand chess better, to have, have variability in your knowledge. I, I, this I don't know. I didn't think. I, uh, all I all I thought about is that uh, I remember, you know, f- figuring out that being good at chess doesn't make you necessarily good at. Uh, at other things, that's definitely and, true. Uh, it's very domain uh, domain uh, specific, but uh, but is it also does it? Tra- how much transfers? I've had a lot of stories. I don't know how much transfers, but so this is why I try to avoid uh, analogies to game because life doesn't resemble games, and right. people who think life resembles games tend to get in trouble. But, but I think that that you have to have an element of of surprise in your life okay now, now let's talk about life okay what i think is a way, get, way to be you know non-fragile in your life if you're an employee you're fragile for life because even if you're promoted or demoted it's unpleasant for you it's uh, fragile because exactly. if you're promoted you got a small increase in salary but a huge increase in responsibility exactly. my point is if you're going to be uh employed better be the lowest person the the, the night guard at the company right. or someone who no responsibilities and you no get responsibilities income. and you got income and then you can write poetry at night or right. be a painter or do things and uh, in in in, um, in in developed countries it's you know like switzerland uh, if you want to be a writer it's much better to be, to be a uh, uh, work, work the, at, at the, the minimum wage, then you're very comfortable rather than, uh, you know, be a university uh, English teacher or a German teacher or whatever it is to write books. So the, the, the being an employee makes you very fragile because the way people start viewing the world, okay, uh, prevents them from following their own ethical uh, inclinations. Right, like, so they'll choose... 
uh, to make an ethical exception to get a promotion, for instance. Or, or no, for example, you may work for a tobacco company, mm. right? You may buy stock in a tobacco company because you have a budget to make. Uh, so, so these are ethical uh, dilemmas that uh, you cannot escape when you're employed. It's, it's similar than, you, you know, you, uh, to make a budget. So owning a home makes you more fragile than renting. Well, it depends. I mean, to be, to be personally, I never borrowed a penny, all right? Mm. And, and uh, almost never. I, I, I had a, uh, an arbitrage once when I, on my first job. Trading doesn't count. No, not bankers trust. I'm trading doesn't count. But uh, I, I, so I noticed that people who have a mortgage have, uh, of course, are the prisoners of the system and they underestimate the duration of their employment. And, uh, and and when they point. start fearing the boss, and uh, and if the boss calls them to their office, uh, they're in trouble. If you have money on the side, you're much more robust, okay? And money on the side is the opposite of on, of debt. It's like having an extra reserve. You don't have to predict what's going to harm you. And you depend less on a boss getting rid of you because if the boss doesn't like you, can you imagine how miserable it is, how unnatural a life it is being in an office for 30 years with someone you hate, all right? And many Whereas people do in it. Nature, and, not, and in nature, you've been killed or, 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 or you would have killed within minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So and many people, this is a stressor that's not good for you. The chronic stressor is not good for you. The, 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 ver the varying stressor and the high-intensity once-in-a-while stressor is good for you, mm -hmm. you see. And, and uh, of course, it maps to what Sapolsky have established about acute versus chronic stressor and stuff like that. But the, the to go uh, stressor with recovery, that is. But to go back to having a good life is uh, I, I, I plot an anti-fragile. I compare a, a taxi driver in London who has high randomness visibly to his brother who is an employee of a whatever, a cushy, has a cushy job, making the exact same salary, very predictable. If his brother loses his job, he's gone. A taxi driver is protected by the variability because the variability forces them to adjust. So, so if you don't have business near Heathrow, you try to find another airport. You see, or maybe you know you try to find nightclubs. You're adapted. You're you're if you're making a living from ta as a taxi driver in London, you're adapted to the environment. You see, because every trade is a new trade, as they say. And even if a disruptive uh, company comes along, like an Uber, you can just become an Uber driver. Well, you can move around, but but this brother spent thirty years in a cushy with a, with a company. The company has a financial problem. He's gone. And he's not going to land another job at age 53, right? Something quite important. Every system that's organic communicates with its environment via stressors. Mm -hmm. So your, your, your lift weight, it's a stressor. The, your system will, will, will code for higher, um, you know, higher bone density and, and more muscle, you see. You go in the sun. You're, 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 you get the signal, and then you'll code for more protection from the sun. So you get, you get uh, you know, suntan, all right? Uh, so, I, I like your point in Anti-Fragile that uh, uh, we've been in the sun for millions of years and never got, like, skin cancer from it, as far as we know. That, uh, I didn't make that point so much that I was, I was, I was questioning the idea of, of avoiding of radiation motion. completely. Uh, but, uh, except if you don't have the racial characteristics and racial, the, the, the skin tone characteristics of the area in which uh, you live. Right. Like if you're, uh, you know, an, an Irish person living in uh, Australia, it, there's no, no, there's a problem, right? <laughs> but if you're uh, an Irish person living in Ireland, I don't know, you see. Right. And, and effectively, uh, it looks like, and, and now we have evidence that a little bit of radiation is very good for you hmm. to prevent, protect you from cancer. <laughs> 
So, so, so elimination of radiation makes you uh, fragile. Just like a, a little bit of bacteria is good for you to protect you from bacteria, you see. If you live in a sterilized room, you're not going to do very well when you come out of it. So it's among these class of things. But So when you are a, a, in professionally a consultant, okay, you're not an employee, a consultant, you're going to have variability in your income. But every morning, if you're still making a living, all right, you're fit for whatever environment there is, right? So, okay, so there you're minimally resilient, but not yet anti-fragile. You, oh, the, the, you have to get uh, uh, minimally robust, okay, to get in the right direction of anti-fragile, mm-hmm. you see. Uh, something anti-fragile is effectively something that, that gains from uh, stressors to the system and improve from it. You have to, we have also to avoid looking at humans as a unit. You have to look at systems, hmm. you see. So sometimes the fragility of the person is necessary for the, fragile, for the safety of the system. Take the restaurant business. If a restaurant weren't fragile, wouldn't go bankrupt, you wouldn't have uh, a healthy restaurant business where people can eat well. So how can the individual, right, be, what can you do in that, envi- in that environment? You have to make sure that you're capable of starting a new restaurant very quickly. So it's almost like you I have to build the sensibility that if this restaurant fails, at least I'll have the experience you to build the a better one, restaurant. Exactly, and then you have to integrate that failure in, mm-hmm. in, in your learning curve. Um, to, but to really be anti-fragile, you have to be in a business of trial and error hmm. where you're, you're, all your side effects are going to be beneficial. And there's no business, it used to be, no longer like that, uh, that benefited from its own mistakes better than pharma. Because if you're in that business, you make a mistake with the, you know, your 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 uh, uh, hypertension medicine doesn't it has a side effect. Well, that side effect leads to Viagra, for example. Well, that's a good news, you see. And and effectively, uh, if you look at, uh, I mean, I have a big bone with academic research, with everything, you know, trying to exactly map the environment, thinking we understand it, but fooling ourselves uh, rather than than. Focusing on payoff, again, trying to predict rather than focus on exposure, have a convex exposure, anti-fragile exposure, is something like uh, 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 the mo- the best model is cooking. You cannot imagine right, what something tastes like just from writing down on a piece of paper the chemical composition. You cannot. No, you have to try. Mm-hmm. Well, that protects us from having too many theories in cooking. And then everything goes by trial and error. So, but why? How does why does trial and error work well? Whereas I'm trying to make the perfect hummus, I add an ingredient. Right? It doesn't taste good. I give it to my mother-in-law. You see, so you have, the downside is small. But if 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 I hit on something great, then I'll have my my uh, my my great hummus. You see, mm-hmm. so uh, pharma works that way. And the rate of growth of medical research. In, in gains and in, in finding drugs and cures and all that was much higher under trial and error than today that we think we understand biology. Hmm. You see? So, mistake, so given that we make mistakes, we might as well be in an environment where we benefit from mistakes. You see? So the restaurant industry benefits from the mistake of its members to improve. The, the, the airline, uh, the transportation industry, every plane crash reduces the probability of the next plane crash. Benefits from its mistakes. So that's a health, healthy system. But it's not necessarily always good news for the people at the bottom. But nevertheless, we can say that if they died, all right, it, at least they've saved more lives than the ones that perished. 
From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. So given like the current economy, which is sort of uh, floating on top of these bailouts from 2009, what's your, what's your stance? Well, I mean, on... bailouts are, of course, against my, my religion, against everything I believe in, because you're disrupting a system, creating moral hazard. You didn't let it, the crash happen. Uh, I would uh, no, no, the, the, yeah, but 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 the counterfactual is is, is wrong. My peers say, well, would you have uh, saved the economy, let it fail? Then, if you know, it's a count, wrong counterfactual. You would have opposed bailout since 1982, when Mr. Reagan uh, started bailing out the banks. 83, you know, when they um, bailed out Connell, Illinois, when they started, uh, you know, having these systems. So, the the bailout situation is tricky. You cannot say well. You cannot look. You have to look at it as an ensemble. Build a system that doesn't require bailout, and and we know you know how to build these systems. What's a system that doesn't require bailout? Well, the first thing is you force everyone in in banks that require bailout to be. You know, if, why are we bailing out the bank? We're bailing. It's too big. We're not bailing out the restaurant, although the consequences uh, locally on the person and the staff are the same. No, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be unemployed. Uh, you know, Monday morning. Um, and with financial losses, but we don't care. We care because protecting the system. So if someone is making uh, $20 million bonuses and we're going to bail him out, if take a mistake if he's wrong, that, that's wrong. So any business that's bailable out should not have these bonuses. Mm-hmm. And people tell me, well, we lose talent. I say it, the, ban- the banking industry has proved only one talent, that of uh, getting paid you know, individually because it's a business that never made money. You see, so th- th- this is how you structure a system to be robust from the inside. You structure a business, the banking business, to be like the restaurant industry. You don't structure it to be something like government. So it's, and it's, that, another another thing that's very central for a system to work well is to have what I call skin in the game. In other words, people bear direct consequences for action, not because it's a deterrent, but because it's a filter. Hmm. Because if you go bust yourself, you're out of the pool. You see, if you uh, if you're a bad driver, okay, that's fine. You're allowed to be a bad driver, but you're not. You, we don't want you to harm others. So, if bad drivers tend to die because they get into accidents or kill other people, they would much more likely, all right, reduce the number of fatalities, all right, than if they didn't survived. Hmm. Likely to kill, you know, those who kill other people driving. This is my idea of skin in the game, as a symmetric. Uh, risk uh, thing that causes bad risk takers right, to be harmed. Or, so or to again. at least learn 
if they're... Uh, the, you know, I don't believe in learning. I really don't believe in learning at the individual level. I believe systems learn through fil- filters. What about entrepreneurship, though? So if somebody starts a business and fails, they might learn from that experience. Well, no, no. Yeah, they learn from the experience. And also the business, the, the, the business model of entrepreneurship is what I was in, uh, out-of-money options. I bought out-of-money options. I always lost money. I was in business of, uh, you know, and then, you, you know, people. Ah, it's very like, interesting. Entrepreneurship yeah. is like buying out of the money. Out of my, exactly. And, and, and you have people who kept telling me that I was doing the wrong thing and they still work for a living, <laughs> you see. And so I, I, you can only smile and say, okay, be polite to them. And, and they teach you what, what, how. And then my reason is that the tail and the tails, okay, is any error in model, all right, means the tails have to be more valuable. And, and it's a little... Uh, complicated to do it without a graph. Uh, no, no, but that's interesting. So entrepreneurship is actually saying the tails have more value than anybody else thought before. And so you're going to develop Yeah, I mean, look at the world, the world is built today by entrepreneurs. Everybody who short tails, there's no business that short tails that's still in existence. Hmm. Insurance companies are the only one who do it because they do it with things that are thin-tailed and cap the tail. They don't have the exposure in the tail. Insurance companies, people don't understand that. Insurance companies, they don't sell tails. They sell the body distribution and they block you. For example, your house, they cap you, all right? What interests me is beyond the cap. Right. <laughs> so, so I, w- I mean, I was in the business of buying tails, all right, or at least protecting people from not having the tails and stuff like that. So it is, when you're in a business like that, you start looking at, at world tails and you see who understands tails. And you realize entrepreneurship, if the tales weren't mispriced by the world, we wouldn't be where we are today. (laughs) You see? Look at the wealth generated. Where did the wealth come from? All right-tailed things, businesses, computers. uh, Entrepreneurship is a right-tailed proposition, all right? And the businesses that were short the tails, there's three of them, all right? Banking is one, never made a penny. Another one is uh, insurance, reinsurance. Uh, the ones that 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 made even substandard stuff was because they were capping the tail. You see. So let's take take someone like Warren Buffett though, who buy who who does uh, catastrophic insurance on I, stadiums. I, say. Well, cat, cat insurance, the ones overwritten by these people, are not tail events because they're capped. Hmm. And my tail starts beyond. I I had uh, recently uh, someone. I was waiting. Uh, I said I'm not gonna. Uh, attack uh, and print my ideas until I'm waiting for someone to publish something criticizing my ideas and anti-fragile about the tales and vol- okay um, in a journal so I can publish it in a scientific journal and and some idiot who's a risk manager or whatever said oh Taleb is wrong look there's no volatility tales are not volatility tail, tail risk is how much is ex- of the volatility explained by the tail you see so I, uh, it allowed me to, to make the point that a business that is fat-tailed, in other words, where the tail plays a large role, has usually less variation, you see? And yeah. more, more, more of the variation comes from jumps. So like, uh, look at well, Argentina. Well, when you have a fat tail, years. you start to get into a power law. Sorry? When you have the fat tail, it could be a power law. No, 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 but one of the characteristic of a fat tail is not that there is, there's a fat tail event because often you don't see it, that there's no volatility outside the fat tail event. Mm. You see, and mathematically, you showed it mathematically in that paper, and and published, of course, in the same journal. All right, what uh, I call it elements of quantitative finance. What people you know don't understand about tail it was for a mistake, but it was very interesting because then I caught a, a risk manager who didn't understand risk. That that the risk isn't in variation effectively when you shift to the you know fat tail. 
in other words, it's not so much volatility. The VIX doesn't represent fat tailedness. It represents variation. And usually to build, like I used to build uh, uh, fat tail trades, I would sell volatility and buy the tails and only be harmed by medium volatility, not very fat right. tail volatility, right. which is what people couldn't understand what, I, what my business was. Tell them, I don't want medium volatility. I want no volatility or maximal volatility, right? So, so, so to, to really map it into businesses that have... Typically, you can you can tell actually that businesses that are short the tail tend to have steady income, hmm. and businesses that are long the tail tend to have erratic, uh, highly uh, variable, and typically not good outside of tail events. Hmm. Hmm. And these are the businesses effectively that have produced what we have in the world. Okay, now now scientific discovery is a fat tail event. It's hunting for out of money options. There are costs. I mean, we spend a lot of money trying, right? Pharma. Pharma is the biggest fat tail of fat tail as an industry. You look how much money they're in. What's their business? Their business is keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. You have cost of trying. We have small losses. Out of the money option, and, and you finance it. So I see. Okay. So so what what's ruined it a little bit is that the uh, FDA requires more and more money to get a drug through trial, so it's hard to do trial and error. The cost of trial and error uh, uh, increases, right, visibly with other regulation and other environments, and increases also under. Uh, okay, what happens is that if you're, uh, what people don't realize is the return is much more linear to number of uh, trials than to total total dollar spent. Hmm. So, and people now go for blockbuster drugs, so they spend a lot of money in one direction. So more prone to error, and, right. and they're not. When you hunt for fat tail, a business that understands fat tails very well is publishing, right? Like cinema, okay? and, and that's a fat tail business. Uh, we're not far from my publisher, Random House. Go to the lobby of Random House on on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Go to the lobby and walk in. The first time I walked in, I, I was not yet published. Uh, you know. I was a best-selling author, so someone made me wait. You know, they make you wait if you're this, and otherwise you're a best-selling author. Then you have special elevator. You right. see this thing. So when you wait in the lobby, I looked and I said, "Oh my God, this building likes publishers, or publishers likes build like uh, like this building because there's nothing but publishing houses." Guess what? It turned out to be all belong to the same Bertelsmann. Right. Because when you're in a fat tail business. You make your income off of few blockbusters. You got to have thousands of books. So again, so this is so they I would have say like 70, 80, 70, 80 publishing houses, separate publishing houses in the same building, right? <laughs> so, in so, the random house, Crown, Knopf, uh, this, that, uh, things you've never heard of. All right, yeah. And when you have a lot, and and when you're in a fat tail business, you need a lot of small trials. You see, making bets on. On stuff, and once in a while, you got a Harry Potter. Uh, publishers are essentially venture capitalists on books. So exactly, but now, so that's a resilient business. It's not necessarily anti-fragile. No, yet. it is anti-fragile. They like, the, I mean, they're. Fat so let's say a book fails. Sorry, if a book fails, it, it, it costs them five thousand dollars. If they do it right, all right, it, it, it's like an option. You, you lost five thousand dollars if it fails, right. and you make a hundred million if it's right. Right, but if it, it so, so they don't mind failures, but do the failures make them stronger. Uh, I, I mean, no. Usually, I, my mapping of anti-fragile isn't so much in something makes you stronger, so on, so much as the system benefits from mistakes. Okay. Right? So, or or, bene- or benefits from randomness, or benefits from other things. All right. Yes. The the the, the if you try to publish a book, uh, and, and typically, let me tell you how the system benefits from mistake. You're trying to have a hypertension drug, and you end up with Viagra. Same thing. They try to publish a book. 
on some uh, like they did with the Black Swan. They tried to publish a book on um, they thought a narrowly defined subject by an, an option trader, okay, whom you can you know uh, probably rely on having a few. Uh, and it turned out from an option trading book or right, into some global interpretation of history that made them you know that sold X million. Uh, well, you get the idea. So th- that was a mistake on their part. You see. Right, that was a positive mistake. That was so. So they they can publish a book like Umberto Eco. They think is a scholarly book, and their mistake is that it, it's a hugely popular topic that sells fifty million copies. You see, it's pretty much like a drug. So you have side effects that you didn't predict that, but what you don't predict that typically helps you, and that's I the see. idea. So, so the, the model itself is is strong because sometimes these small losses could turn into huge. Sometimes the mistakes no, no, can losses. turn into huge winners. Has, the, the, because no mistake will cost, it makes the book right. cost you more than you spent for it. It's like a finite premium for an option. So all the mistakes are the upside. Right. But, but if you spend a billion dollars for a book, all right, and some people have spent millions and millions on books, all right, uh, uh, the, the mistake is when you start spending a lot of money on publishing Al Gore, all right, and the thing flops, so you have a big loss, you see, for mm-hmm. no upside. Uh, that That's... Typically, when people go for small bets in 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 highly um, unpredictable domains and in a field that nobody really understands very well, you have a huge upside. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and that, that's but so you can look at the PNL of people who've done that: movies, pharma, Biotech. real estate, real estate, real estate. If you if if I walked into um, the Black Swan when I was writing it, thinking that most money was made in America by innovation and high tech and stuff like that. It turned out to be false. The The big bucks were made in America, big fortunes, all right? If you look at, um, at a time, I look at net worth of people, the big fortunes were made in real estate. And then I understood why it was a sucker game because real estate is long volatility for the owner of the house, so you can borrow, mm. and short for the bank, which explained why the banks never made money <laughs> And individuals made tons of money on real estate. And real estate was a good business, you know, for these people because they have a free option. And it's funny, too, like the housing crisis began long before, or not the crisis, but housing was going down for a year and a half before the banks blew up. So housing was handling itself fine, but then the bank, the financial crisis yeah, happened yeah, as a result of the way of the... they package things. But, yes. but, but typically banks are good at giving people free options. I remember manufacturers Hanover went bust. Uh, because Donald Trump uh, made bad bets, and eventually Donald Trump got rich. All right, and my, my short Hanover became part of Chemical Bank, became part of uh, now J.P. Morgan. You see, so the 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 mistakes of uh, uh, if a mistake can blow you, you know, up, you're not a good business. But but what's worse is when someone has an asymmetry. My mistakes blow up the bank, not me. You see, right. or uh, because. The way they finance it, and also, and, and what they did, even had they not done that, when I looked at the risk of Fannie Mae, uh, huge, even without these uh, packages, uh, you know, uh, banks were overexposed to downside of real estate. So right now in the economy, where do you see the biggest bubbles or risks? Or I, I don't know. I mean, I make bets, right? So my bets are out of the money bets. So it's not a predictive bet. Uh, I made, after the crisis, I initially uh, made bets on gold 
and then uh, I was long gold, short S&P, and then I ended up long both, right? And then I ended up getting rid of my gold. And why did I have the S&P? Because I said, okay, flooding money in a system, uh, gonna, going to either uh, harm the bonds, help the stocks, or both. So, And then I started getting short bonds in and out, right? Mm. So I had S&P with a shortish bond position, and, and it paid off, right? So the quantitative easing was some long real estate, all right, that paid off, pay, pay off. And, and then I, you know, because I said, okay, the, the only way they're curing the system is by, by giving free money. So you got to, what people free money will go by. So it w- worked out fine. And uh, so I'll tell you, because skin in the game, I only look at my thing. And then uh, I bought some euros, Right when when Europe was uh, because people on TV would go and say oh Europe as if it was a catastrophe it was like uh, Dresden you know with a big hole was smoking like Syria pictures of Syria today and, and I, I then I bought some Europe or I bought, I bought European currency because they weren't engaged in the same thing and then I got out of it so now I, I, I my exposures now I would say are, are minimal to anything. Now, so so given that, it means I don't have a view of anything, but I'm 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 trying to get out of trouble. I but it's good sometimes. It's, it's I would say anti-fragile sometimes to minimize. Sometimes. You, you want to be in cash. My only risk of being in cash is you miss on. You can have inflation, okay, or you miss on something. So there's risk to be in cash. The, the, what I call cash, I have two cash. I have cash, cash, cash that can be invested, and I have some, what I call numeraire, protect me from inflation, which is a basket. Mm-hmm. And, and that basket uh, contains some real estate, not much, some stocks, not much. Some uh, uh, You always have to have something that protects you because it, the, the big tail risk is I work all my life, you know, I I'm, I'm have a good life too. Things uh, can be harmed by inflation, all right? And, or you can have uh, asset price inflation, but not inflation, which is what we have now, all right? Mm-hmm. Is, which is worse, actually, because you see all the things you wanted to buy running away from you, but and then the other things are not. So uh, I have some hedge there, okay, some agricultural stuff like that, just to say this is hedged for inflation, okay. But I would say I'm monstrously underinvested now with the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, okay, also, I mean... To the point I, where you feel bad, like you're, you're no, no, an no, investor to the at point, heart? to the point that I don't look at the screen. You mm-hmm. know that you're underinvested if when... when uh, you can go for two days without looking at the screen. How mm. many hours you can go without looking at the stock market screen? Mm. You see, if I have good to, formula. if I have to look at it uh, with high frequency, it means I'm I'm over invested. Okay, mm. and then you become victim to noise and stop losses. If I'm looking at it with uh, like now, I couldn't care less. Uh, and if I'm looking at it, uh, you know, healthily. Like uh, I would like to be healthily, it means it was, it was good enough frequency. Then, then I'm calibrated, but I, I've never really been calibrated. I've been moved, you know. I typically go from total indifference to maximum uh, interest. What about like given given your ideas on pharma? What about you know, far big pharma has the risk of FDA regulations, but then you have like biotechs. You know, well-funded biotech. Okay, no, no, biotech is, a very, uh, biotech is a very biotech is a very interesting uh, domain. Biotech, particularly that they have, uh, they're underestimated by the market because they can have a huge discovery that will change everything. You see, small probability. That's not part of the data. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm not involved. It's too much headaches trying yeah. to figure it out. It's just, I mean, I have a comfortable life. I don't want to 
mess it up by having complicated stuff. But but sometimes I, for entertainment, I do trades, and typically I go with the irrational, which is strange for someone who likes the irrational because it seems to me that if something is irrational, it means to be hidden reason behind it. You see, if something like for example, when I went into Europe, Europe was very 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 uh, steady. And everybody said it's bad news. If the journalists say it's bad news and stock market is not, I go with the stock market. Mm-hmm. You see? Or I go with the currency. I go with, with the element. Mm-hmm. But I'm not too much in the market. Plus, plus, of course, I have a convex bet on crash on the stock market. Mm-hmm. So, so, so typically, I would say my position would be in the stock market, uh, the way I do it is I'd be long the stock market. I'd lose money if there's a 10% drawdown. But if there's a 20% drawdown, I make tons. Because you buy out-of-the-money puts. Because I always have this kind of uh, out-of-the-money thing. I, I played it with bonds, but now it's difficult with bonds. Well, even though there's most likely some sort of bubble in bonds at some point. Yeah, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to so miss much. it. I don't want to miss it. But, uh, but to express it with a positive uh, carry is hard. Hmm. So sometimes you go in and I don't want to think about it. So you go out. You Too go complicated. Yeah, but I have enough gold, you know, in my own thing, and I have enough short bonds in my core, you know, what I call luminaire, that I don't have to worry much about that. So Black Swan, you're saying sold, sold very well. I, I fooled by fooled with by randomness is a, a great book as well that I highly recommend every trader. Uh, yeah, fooled reads. by randomness. Yeah, fooled by randomness was read by traders, but not outside. The Black Swan was read outside trading, right? A lot. And but, anti-fragile, I almost view it as a personal improvement book. Like a way of thinking about life as know. opposed did, to trading. It did, uh, the, it's the one that satisfied me the most in its reaction because it it uh, what, what I always tell people is that uh, there is nonlinearity. Uh, you don't want to sell a million copies because if you sell a million copies, you're going to have eight hundred thousand people reading it, uh, buying it who shouldn't be buying it. Well, it's still it's so. still hard to execute on it. People like their fragile lives because that's the controlled environment. So it's hard for people to say, okay, I'm going to fast randomly like every no, other No, no, yeah, that's true. No, no, but Anti-Fragile is, is a kind of, no, I mean, I wrote Anti-Fragile not as uh, as a book for, I wrote it as you put your soul into a book. Yeah. So it is, I, I, it's a fourth volume of that inserto, and I put my, my, my soul into it, but all the answers in the black swan. I also wrote it in a way to be less accessible to, mm-hmm. to the, than the black to the common person. And why voluntarily? Why? Because I don't want uh, to have uh, to the readers. And uh, I don't want to go to conferences where you have all these big names who have bestsellers and, and be one of them like uh, in, the, you know, in a cattle market. I want to just have my own. Uh, mm. I pull back from public image. Uh, you know, when you have a big bestseller, you, you have trauma and you have also you learn from stuff and you say, okay, you want to do it once, you don't want to do it all the time. So I did not want to have as big, uh, uh, and I don't want in the future to have any big. I'd rather have a steady, smart readership than uh, crazy uh, people citing it without understanding what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and anti-fragile is in that category. Mm-hmm. It did. Uh, it's like food by randomness. Food by randomness was almost never uh, bought by people who didn't understand it, mm-hmm. or didn't. Get, I mean, not almost never. It was the ratio is very low for food by randomness. And full of randoms over time did, uh, I don't know, something, million, some copy. I mean, something worldwide. It did, uh, what well, I am in, in a million, something, some, some copies. So and anti-fragile, you don't think will... Uh... Full by no, it's fine fragile selling a lot more than, 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 than full by randomness. Huh. Uh, 
you know, at its stages. But full by random, I want anti-fragile. You want books to follow the Lindy effect. I don't care about what they sell today. I, I care about what they sell in 10 years. Hmm. You see? Ah, and, so your point of, uh, yeah, the, 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 if it's still selling in 10 years, it's going to be selling for another 10 for years. For another 10 years. Full by random today is uh, 13 years old, 14 years old. 13 yeah, years old. Still sells. Uh, this week, 14 years old. 13 mm-hmm. years old. And it's not that it still sells. It's still in print. It's still yeah. active. Uh, uh, the black swan is, is, of course, is too known as a metaphor that bothers me. Anti-fragile is similar to full by randomness, except that it's a different uh, crowd. It's more difficult than full by randomness. Much more difficult. You know, but it got me thinking really just about every area of my life and what was fragile and what wasn't, and not only every area currently, but every area in the past and how I've, the different parts where I've made myself anti-fragile just by instinct because I didn't want to lose anymore. That's good. Now that I'm thinking about it, there's a test you can do for yourself, right? If uh, you've had a little bit of disorder and you weren't harmed by it, it means you didn't have enough of it. If I wasn't harmed by it. If you weren't harmed by it. By right. If you had, and you weren't harmed by it, if you had something bad happen or something like that, weren't harmed by it, it means you need more of it. Uh, well, no, I was definitely harmed by it, and then I had to overcome. Yeah, well, yeah overall, if, if as a, uh, overall, you weren't harmed by something, then, then you have... Uh, and, and let me tell you that a lot of people don't understand that uh, uh, something I, I mentioned just en passant, I didn't, didn't focus too much on it, in anti-fragile... It's post-traumatic growth. Hmm. That growth comes from trauma. People talk about post-traumatic uh, disorder. The real thing is post-traumatic uh, growth. Hmm. So, so if you do grow too much, let's say from a failure, that might not be a good thing. No, 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 no. What I meant is that most people think that people get trauma from wars, from stuff like that. I was a victim of war. It was horrible, right? And you know, in, in the Near East, they're not you know, wars are not very pleasant. Okay. Hmm. But uh, but I think that I benefit from it. I personally grew from it. So so had had a psychologist, you know, just to bill X dollar, you know, hundred dollars an hour would have found the disease. You say, and, and but a lot of people benefited from it. And a generation, a friend, they all did very well, personally, emotionally, all, all kind of stuff. So so in a way, you grow from disorder, right? The the um, but there's something important, you know, to to. to when you approach a topic like uh, anti-fragile, it's something important. You don't want to ask too much from the topic. Try to apply it. Okay. But you should be demanding, but don't ask too much from a topic. In other words, don't try to apply the topic, you know, blindly to, to a lot of things. Uh, but it has enough application. In other words, uh, if we... Having, it's worth thinking about. It has enough application. In other words... Uh, in biology, in the biological system, in stressors, in the ecosystem, it has enough application. And and it's a beginning, not an end. One thing that pleases me a lot is that I'm telling you that I switched life with anti-fragile. You know, uh, the, I try to, uh, you know, just do enough of the markets for entertainment, not other things. Mm-hmm. I'm also advisor to my old uh, friends who are... Uh, Continued the business I was in in America, so so just do enough activities. But I wanted to be just now become a scholar, you know, retire into pure scholarship. You know, you've clearly nine nine published papers this week. Uh, this, year, this year, this year, uh, a book, uh, Silent Risk. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing technical work. There's a technical work, and I'm realizing that in a technical uh, field, uh, I mean, there are good disciplines and bad disciplines. There are disciplines like uh, political science that are totally clueless. 
and a discipline like physics and complex systems, they're monstrously insightful. You see, and and to understand that, you have to know from the inside. And uh, but but there is a huge appetite for ideas like the ones of anti-fragile. And I don't want it's, you know this is not no longer a book where it belongs to one person. It's the, the, you see the 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 development of ideas. And and you want to be part of it, uh, filling out even without citing anti fragile, without mentioning it once. You see, citing into this this uh, 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 mission. And now, what is that that thing? Is really trying to understand how systems function without. Um, so so we we can live in, in in a world in accordance with 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 the way the world is, rather than in accordance with the way we'd like it to be. Like yeah. a distributed system, like nature, how to handle nature, how to handle global warming, how to handle all of these, and I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm involved in this. Uh, so, so I'm very, very happy because I started an academic career, and and academic doesn't mean teaching; it means uh, writing paper, researching, interacting with researchers, doing things, and, and so, so, which is why I don't think I'm going to write books for the general public anymore after anti-fragile. Hmm. I don't think I will. I mean, you know, people may have relapses. But I will uh, be producing a more uh, scientific stuff that has theorems, proofs, and it's actually so much easier to do science. Than where where will you uh, release stuff? Like, like Silent Risk here. This Silent is Risk is for book. free on the web. Hmm. It's for free on the web. Anybody can access it. Uh, I don't feel like giving it to a publisher for, for now. And uh, uh, the good thing is that if I find a mistake... Uh, I'm going to Singapore. change it. It becomes open source in a sense because it, it, people. It, can no, I, I change it. I change, it. but in other words, I change it and and I learn to write in text, so it's formatted the way it is. Uh. Comes right, right instantly, and and probably it could be between cover, but uh, but I wanted to stabilize, you know, at the level, stabilize in the sense that uh, I keep changing. You know, I wake up, I change, I introduce a topic, and silent risk. Silent risk is really the backup of all my other books. With the mathematical backing, and it's very strange. I noticed that, uh, that there's something we're doing with this paper. Okay, I noticed this paper. We use a lot of English, all right? And then at the end, we have math proof theorem. This, 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 this proof. Okay, so I noticed nobody reads the math. Nobody reads the math. But if it's there, people feel comfortable. But they feel comfortable with what I'm saying here without harassing me. What do you mean by this? Mm-hmm. They feel comfortable. They leave you alone. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the same thing with the inserto. By giving all this mass, and I discovered, you know, and, and quite, you know, quite surprising, that nobody knew. You, you see, nobody knew that I did math for a living. You know, so they did mathematical stuff. They must not have read uh, dynamic hedging. Or they, I mean, people said, "Oh, the, the black swan," and and it's very strange because there's the same idea I express in 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 math. People take it seriously, although it's harder to understand. Or right? they complain that it's dense, but it's harder to understand. But then you express it in words, they, 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 they don't take it seriously, although it's easier to understand. So if people, but, so this is what makes scientific writing easy because you don't have any inhibition about how deep you want to go. Nobody's going to complain. That's very strange, right? That's a, but the other thing that makes it also easy is because when I put a book out, I'm afraid of being misunderstood and having to explain stuff. When you put science out, it is self-standing in the sense that it's very hard to misunderstand an equation, right? Mm. You misunderstand the application and stuff. You're outside the verbalistic aspect. And, and, and it's quite liberating. And also what's even more interesting is that I know that if I make a mistake, it would be caught faster 
because the beauty of mathematics isn't that it helps us get, is that if someone expresses himself mathematically, he gave you a, um, a, 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 a tool, right, to critique him. In other words, it's made it clear. I made my statements clear on here, so you can see very clearly what I'm saying. If you find a mistake, you can spot it. So this is why it's more open to investigation for others to say, hey, you know, you made a mistake here. So silent risk has one part. One part is about risk and probability, and the second part about how systems like disorder and how city-states do better and stuff like that. And silent risk, part two, make it, make it second volume. And, and it's very interesting because once I put it mathematically there, now suddenly a lot of people started reading this, anti-fragile. And without having the need to go to the mass, because they've seen the mass, they've just glanced at it, they saw a couple of graphs, they come back, and now they, they, they're interested in antifragile. This is why there have been no scientific criticism of antifragile. 100% like, of, the, of the scientists who have looked at antifragile found it positive. Hmm. They wouldn't have done that had, if I didn't supply him with a, with a mathematical backup. Well, I, I definitely look forward to checking out Silent Risk and... I know you say you don't want millions of people to, to read and understand Anti-Fragile, but I, I really, it's a life-changing book. I really oh, think it's a, it's a great book. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. It was very pleasant. Yeah, to, I'm to glad you came, came on the show. And uh, I wish I had uh, uh, followed up on my email with you in 2002. I, I think I had coffee with the wrong people. So oh, okay. <laughs> it's, uh, They blew up in 2008 or no, or seven, eight? Or uh, no? Yeah, b- both times, uh, several both times. times uh, okay, that's fine. All right, yeah. Yeah, that won't happen to you. All right. <laughs> okay. All right, well, thank you very right. much. Great, thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.